Welcome to the Attack Action Podcast with your hosts, the Battle Bros, Taylor and Isaac. What's up, Isaac? Just sat down for another pod. Hell yeah. Another uh, beautiful day. That it is. It's a bit windy. I feel like it was windy the last pod, maybe the pod before that. My house is at a place called Windy Gap. (laughs) (laughs) Also, your nickname in college. (laughs) I don't know. What? (laughs) I don't know. I'm very tired. Oh, nice. Phoning in the zingers. Yeah, definitely. Um, So, yeah, like I've taken up this uh, basketball coaching job for the past month. And if you can't tell, it's uh, it's affecting my my podcast ability. COVID school just started up again. So they're cramming every sport into this tail end of spring for school. So they're basically playing three weeks of each sport under the sun. Yeah. So it's pretty <laughs> intense. Um, but it's going great. And I'm losing my voice, if you can't tell. But it adds maybe a kind of uh, sultry, smoky, underground yeah, jazz club vibe to yeah, the cast. Husky. Yeah. Ooh. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So you're welcome for that, everyone. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yes, if this is your first podcast with us, uh, it's this weird and silly every time, for sure. Um, so today we're going to we're going yeah, to get through. Is, this is not one of the weirder <laughs> yeah. moments in our podcast. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Upsetting Michael again, talking about how the podcast is going. Uh, <laughs> uh, okay, so. Today, our main topic, we're going to talk about the recent calling that happened in New Zealand. So we're going to detail as much of that as we can and give our thoughts and opinions about it, etc. But first off, we're going to start out with some shout outs and then follow up with some news before we get to our main topic. So uh, Isaac, you're the note keeper for today's podcast. Uh, Who are we shouting out today? Kiki Labad. Woo! Foregoing. Well, we have two different shout outs. Friend of the pod, Kiki. Oh, yeah. Totally. I mean, why not? You know? Everybody's our friend. <laughs> <laughs> no, for, for going toe to toe with uh, Matt Rogers in this recent event. And, like, not. <laughs> I hope plenty of people shout out Matt Rogers. Obviously, shout out Matt Rogers. We're just shouting out Kiki because it's like. Going toe-to-toe with Matt Rogers is a huge deal because of how good he is, you know? Right. Yeah. Um, but, and also for getting there with a Levia draft deck is mm-hmm. pretty sick. And I think they played a sealed Levia deck earlier on, or just a draft Levia earlier on. Anyway, big, big Levia um, player. Yeah, and you as a fan of Levia... Uh, I don't know. There's that meme. Cross. <laughs> yeah. There's that meme of uh, uh, Hermione from Harry Potter, and she's sitting there going, "It's Levia, not Levia." You know. <laughs> Is that, anyway. I haven't seen that. That's pretty, funny, <laughs> That's pretty good. Um, shout out to Harry Potter. Did uh, not let us release the thing. They're like, you should call it whatever you want. Yeah, definitely. You know, who yeah. Cares? So I'm gonna say Which it differently. Is pretty funny. Anyway. Um, I'm shouting out Kiki for knowing that they were going to be having a great weekend. So they were camera ready with the manicure 
right? Yeah. And just looking super dope. Nailed it. <laughs> That's a really good pun. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> oh, man, that one got me. I'm really tired. But yeah, just, you know, if, if you're going to play with the big dogs, you might as well be camera ready and just yeah. look dope. Dope well, as fuck. Well, look good, feel good, play good. Yeah. You know, totally. and it, it happened. Yeah. It's proven once again to be true. Yeah. So if you don't, I know <laughs> the data on that is inequivocal. Uh, if you don't know what we're talking about, go back to LSS's stream of the calling and watch all 16 or 15, yeah, 17 hours uh, like I did. Yeah, it's in two parts. Yeah. And it's a little daunting because it's that long, but really there's these like huge gaps where nothing happens so it's like it's not too bad you could do it in like over a week if you want to just casually watch a game sometimes they're just pretty interesting yeah they're like 30 minutes so day one is like six rounds something like that so that's only three hours which is like a a movie nowadays yeah you know so uh anyway yeah uh, do you have any other shout outs? Yeah, this is a, a terrible shout out because I did not get the guy's name. Oh, but Jesus. the last guy I played in the Team Covenant League was the nicest dude from Austin. Mm. And he uh, also played Azalea. And that's the closest. Um, I'm still undefeated with Azalea, actually, which is pretty sick. But that's the closest match I've had so far. Um, so Hell great yeah. job. Thanks for being a cool dude. And playing in that league and uh, being a great Azalea player as well. Um, actually, our opponents didn't show up, so we just randomly matched up and played. But, uh, I, you know, I don't I don't think he listens to the show, and uh, I didn't catch his name. <laughs> but in the off chance you're listening, thanks for the game, bud. Hell yeah. That's awesome. Uh, uh, it was just so rad, I wanted to shout him out anyway. <laughs> Great. Uh, I wish you, you had found it. I bet there's a way to figure out his name. You could comb through the Google Doc of 215 I, like, players. I tried. <laughs> yeah, but how, how does it say that it was... You, you don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I should just pick a name in yeah. there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, anyway. Uh, All right, on to news. On to the news. So, uh, first off, I'll talk about the... There's been a bit of a mix-up here. So there's some, with the Monarch Unlimited boxes, the packaging is messed up. So on the outside, the cardboard box display says that it's first edition when it's really actually unlimited, uh, which has many different repercussions, right? Like particularly on the market of flesh and blood cards, right? So your sealed box. market. yeah, Yeah, yeah. Your sealed box might not be worth as much because it's not in a sealed case um, and that sort of thing. And there might be damage to your first edition box because you have to like prove that it doesn't have the little red uh, stripe that says unlimited on the booster you know so yeah basically they said there's a way to verify this you like have to puncture the top without breaking the seal but break the cardboard on top and peek in there to see the stripe right on the packs which uh just logistically you know makes things tougher for like vendors and buyers online especially you know oh um, yeah for sure uh i'm if 
don't take my word for this, but I'm fairly positive that um, this only occurred in Europe and Australia. And in Europe, it was caught at the warehouses. So that's getting sent back. And in Australia, it got out. Right. But I don't think this is like all over the planet. There's just millions of these boxes. Um, again, if you're uh, really into the markets or investing in this, please double check my facts here. But I think that it was, uh, you know, mostly down under. <laughs> nice. But also not nice. Um, yeah, it, isn't it? interesting that it's not the other way around because if it was it would be like a collector's item or whatever you know <laughs> yeah that'd be crazy <laughs> <laughs> yeah um but yeah so just uh everybody make sure if you're buying stuff uh just make sure you can verify it now especially that it's actually first edition or whatever you know and hopefully this won't the repercussions won't be too bad you know it, because if you buy from anybody with uh, legitimate references or is it, you know, has been known to be a good seller. Well, um, I think that's like the safer way to do it really. Yeah. In, in this circumstance totally. is to go buy off uh, Facebook or uh, discord, right. Rather than an online store. Right. You know, right. Um, yeah. So anyway, hopefully it's just like, this wouldn't be that big of a deal except for the, uh, you know, the collectability of this game has just skyrocketed. So since Monarch Bo first edition boxes retail for 80 or whatever, but now cost 350 to 500, um, this like type of small production error is uh, made quite a bit larger. Yeah, definitely. Um, in other news, there is potentially slash most certainly a calling coming to the US in September according to some on-screen graphics during New Zealand's calling. Woo! Woo! Or wait, Sick. let me do it uh, the husky. Woo! There you go. Hopefully you guys like that better. Um yeah, very exciting um to the format TBA, right? We don't know what the format is. I'm wondering if it's going to be another sealed uh, format because that's maybe a bit more player, new player friendly. Uh, and, and the reason I say that also is because James White has said that Kingdoms is coming out in September. So I, you know, if it's early September and then the calling's late September, something like that, I don't know. Uh, but we'll just. We'll just have to wait and see. But very exciting, um, depending on work and when and where it is, I will be definitely traveling with my battle bro, Isaac, to hopefully wherever it is. Yep, we'll be there in, uh, you know, the North Bay Area <laughs> or Austin, Texas, my or guess wherever is, it is. <laughs> my guess is it's going to be in Texas, which is pretty far away for yes. us. Equally close for everybody, or equally far, I guess I should Texas say. Texas is just a big state, so depending on where it is in Texas could be closer or farther away. Yeah, totally. You know? I would hope Colorado would be kind of nice. That's pretty centrally located. That's also located. equally far from everybody, yeah. Yeah, that's, a, you know, and the cities are nicer. And it'd be the summer, so you... Yeah, you know, it's not going to be 105. Yeah. 
Well, or like snowed in. Yeah, that's true. But anyway, I mean, you know, we'll just uh, if it's in Texas, we'll go go down, pick up Colin, say hi to his nice wife. What's up, Colin? Yeah, (laughs) and then uh, head over to Tejas. That's how the locals say it. I thought that was so funny. Oh, it's because we're, we're both very tired. Yeah, this is a tired pod. Yeah. But we're like more tickled, so I don't know, maybe. <laughs> uh, do we have anything else in the news there, Isaac, that you wanted to talk about? Um, Just the calling event was in New Zealand, which we'll talk about later. Oh, okay, sweet. That's what I have written down. Um, um, oh, oh we, coming to our new segment here. Yeah. Whoosh, wash, whoosh. Um, That's the music for it. Down, down, down. Oh, that's better. Listener mail. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't know, sound of an envelope opening. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah, the Arsenal Pass, their whole intro is like this whole whole thing. They got this whole thing going on. Oh, yeah, they have like two different. Yeah, they just and we just, uh, we don't have a whole thing going on. We should on. just put lasers and explosions. Like, <laughs> in the beginning of ours, song. too. Just in yeah. the song, you yeah, know. To get you really pumped up. Yeah. And then I come in with, <laughs> oh, welcome <laughs> to the Fab Lounge. Uh, okay, so we have a question. You you want to answer something from last week, but we'll do a yeah. new question first. Yep. How's we that We have sound? a new question that just came in today. It came in today. So, so if you... I will be posting day of or week of on our Instagram page asking for questions to answer on the podcast. So follow us on Instagram, The Attack Action Podcast, and you will get those uh, notifications. But... Andrew asks, are you guys able to do any person play anywhere yet? Question mark. <laughs> uh, he is particularly excited to try and compete for the Command and Conquer mat. Uh, thank you for the question, Andrew. Andrew, we are not playing at an LGS uh, for sweet, sweet prizes. But next week on June 19th in... Uh, I think it's Oasis Gaming in uh, McKinleyville, California. We are going to do a learn to play with our new best friend, Homer. He has been amassing a insane amount of trove. <laughs> of commons from, uh, I think, all of the sets. And so he's put together all of these just like blitz decks with common cards. And we're going to... Teach whoever shows up to that event, time, TBA, but we're going to teach whoever um, shows up and they get a free uh, Blitz deck. Yeah, so as of right now, we are trying to get our local scene kickstarted here. Yep. yep. Um, I have seen popping up all over, you know, Sacramento, Bay Area, all across the states. Um, they have been starting to do in-person events um, at select locations. I think <clears throat> maybe most people are still not playing or maybe they are by by now, but it's like it's just been getting rolling. Yeah, this past month. Yep. And um, and I've talked to our favorite local game shop, North Coast Role Playing. Shout out to Barry. Um, and sometime this month, also, we should be doing another learn to play at his oh, shop. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. So now that everything's well, not you know, if it's opening up where you're at, it's time to get that local scene going. And uh, the community has been really huge about doing that. So uh, keep up the good work. Yep. So uh, thanks, Andrew, for your question. Keep them coming. 
And uh, we'll, we'll pass over to you, Isaac, for your uh, update. Okay. So last week I asked, uh, or I answered a question about Hexagor. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I don't have that question pulled up again. But it was uh, along the lines of, what's the deal with Hexagor? Is this weapon any good? You know, that kind of thing. Because it's kind of tough. It costs two, swings for six. But it deals one damage to you minus... Or, sorry, it does six damage to you, yeah. minus one for each blood deck card in your banished zone. There you go. So, it's basically online once you have six blood deck cards in your banished zone. Mm-hmm. And I had kind of a, a short answer last time, but I have found out that Hexagore <laughs> is dope. This weapon is rad. It's crazy. Um, yeah, this new, this new build you've got... And I... And it, it was kind of a simple fix, right? Your your first edition of the deck, your first draft, was like, no offense, underwhelming. Right? Yeah, not great. But now I would say I'm whelmed. <laughs> not overwhelmed. Whelmed, are you? I'm whelmed, though, by the deck. <laughs> and it was just a simple thing of like, oh, I'll just add in nine copies of Dread Screamer. Well, three more, but yeah. Well, yeah, just so you have the full nine. Yeah, and... uh yeah, a few other cards, but it, it, I feel like half of it is just like how I was playing it. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, so it's how you pilot it. It's like a hexagor turbo deck. So it's like turn three, turn four. You're just like uh, screamer for six, hexagor for six. Yeah. You know. Rinse, repeat. Rinse, repeat until somebody dies. <laughs> and it's pretty insane. You're just like, oh my gosh, this is a lot. You know. It's just like 12, 10 to 12 damage a every turn. single turn. With three cards. And you got plenty of tricks in there to just like keep the Leviah uh, beast fed, you know? You keep feeding the beast. Yeah. You know? Yeah, there's like if you decide to not block or, you know, like whatever tricks to get me to die of blood debt. I, there's a number of cards like Shadow of Blasphemy, Deadwood Rumbler, Blue Blood Tribute, um mark of the beast which all these cards yeah uh, work to both fill your graveyard and like pay your blood debt um without having to rely on your opponent to make you fill it most of the time in like almost every matchup you're just going to be able to block enough but uh you know yeah definitely like the the blood tribute tech was surprising because in our game just before this you had to uh, block with three cards, hold on to one card, and you had one card in Arsenal. And I was like, oh, hell yeah, you're just going to die from blood debt right now. And then you swung Hexagore, and I was like, yep, not going to kill me. And I was on seven health, so I just took it, went to one, and then as an instant, you played Blood Tribute and banished a card and did not die from blood debt. Out of Arsenal. Out yeah. of Arsenal, which was sick. That was such cool tech. Um, you wound up... Uh, dying anyway yeah so it was in vain but i had one i mean you're still a victim of the randomness right like Mm -hmm. i had one turn where i i played deadwood rumbler did not hit on it so then i out of arsenal played a blue blood tribute opt one send it down and then banish the top and did not hit again (laughs) yeah so just took all the damage um but with like 36 out of 64 cards being sixers hopefully that kind of randomness won't get you too often um but anyway there are those cards in there to mitigate that um this won't be a full deck tech but uh 
just to give you an idea, basically I start out kind of going as fast as possible, right? Like your opponent swings, block with two cards, pitch a blue, play Deadwood Rumbler, play Shadow of Blasphemy, play Mark of the Beast. You know, if Deadwood Rumbler hits, I banish a card out of my graveyard to get some blood tet in my banish zone so that Hexagore is online quicker. Yeah. Right. Um, so even though you might take a damage or two or three or whatever of blood debt early on, you know, always, you know, play Mark of the Beast. Even if you don't need it to pay your blood debt yet, it gets it in there, starts the engine going. And then, you know, by turn, oh, maybe if you draw a red screamer, arsenal it. Right. So then maybe by turn, you know, two or three, you have three cards in there with blood debt. You have hopefully seven to nine cards in your graveyard, mm-hmm. and then you can save two blues or a blue and a red, whatever, block with the other two, then play Dread Screamer out of Arsenal, swing Hexagore, and then you're on the offensive. But I've just found that, you know, Dread Screamer only burns three cards out of your graveyard, and then Hexacore burns none. So doing 12 damage is a lot more efficient than playing, like, the pump that burns cards, then the attack that burns cards, and then yeah. Scabskin's another attack that burns cards. Right. Um, and if your graveyard starts getting a little light, you know, you can block more, play a Mark of the Beast, or, you know, Blood Tribute. I like to Arsenal, Deadwood Rumbler, Blood Tribute, like, you know, these cards that need to save you, maybe. Um but that's like basically the uh, strategy there, right? Is you just, you're just trying to fill your banish zone with blood debt as fast as possible. And my deck is definitely built around this, right? Like I have both convulsions and underworld bellows or whatever. Those don't have blood debt. Right. And a lot of cards uh, that might surprise you do not have blood debt. So like your ratio of sixers, your ratio of blood debt cards, your ratio of cards that can pay your blood debt, all of these things need to be considered. Your resource ratio, of course. But I just found it's just like really efficient to play like Screamer or Roll Scab Skins, you know, play Shadow Puppetry, whatever, right. yeah. into Hexagore. And... uh it doesn't always work out, but you kind of hedge your bets, right? Like you have Ebonfold, you have your Arsenal Blood Tribute, or, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, and I'm like not there. It's not an excellent deck yet, but I've come a long way into realizing like having a weapon that it, yeah, it sucks that you can't swing your weapon early, but having a weapon that costs two swings for six, um, I guess it's balanced because it does not satisfy Levi's blood debt. Yeah. So you can't just turtle and swing for six. But regardless of all that, having a weapon that costs two swings for six is like pretty great. Totally. Yep. Yeah. And it and like you said, it went from like definitely not being close to winning a game to now you've like won some games. You know, yeah. it's like way closer and way scarier. And it's know. also <clears throat> the one. There is a drawback that a Screamer and Hexagore cost four resources. Right. Um, and then if you put a buff that burns cards, you burn through your graveyard quicker. So you're kind of tempted to put maybe like Red Awakening Bellows or things like that in there. Um, because you have the extra resources anyway from pitching two cards that those would really shine. Um, I'm still working that out though because... You know, that's another card that's not a sixer. It's a red. Doesn't have blood debt. Right. 
Um, so I'll kind of find the balance there. But the more you tech in these, you know, other buffs, the more you're hurting your ratios. Right. Um, <clears throat> all right. That's all I got. But I feel like I had a real answer for what is up with Hexagore <laughs> this time. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm going to keep playing with it because it's, it's like pretty, it's tons of fun. Yeah. It's kind of like you're playing two opponents, though, like your (laughs) blasphemy and your opponent and your flail you're murdering people with is kind of trying to drink your blood, too. You know, it's just it's very thematic. Yeah, it's like um, there's this sword, sword Nimi in these uh, books, the Stormlight Archives, and it's like a sentient sword. Um, and it will just like drain your life essence if you <laughs> don't feed it, basically. And it's pretty funny. It's going to get its life somewhere. Yeah, it's yeah. always just like, no, just draw me. Let's kill the bad guys. Come on. <laughs> it's, it's, it's really good. Uh, go read those books if you're not reading them by Brandon Sanderson. Nice. Book shout out. Book, book shout out. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I've been to college. Yeah. I've read books. I've also read a book. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so let's get into our main topic where we're going to talk about the calling in New Zealand. So the format was sealed. So it's a two-day event, which is a big improvement from the horror show that was the calling last time where they played it all in one day. Yeah. So uh, big, big improvement there. So I believe... Day one is six rounds of Swiss, so you would get your six packs, open them, make your best deck, and then you're trying to make the uh, cut for um, top 32. So the way Jim works, which is the software that LSS uses, uh, you get randomly paired with an opponent, and then you go from round one to round two, and you will play an opponent who has had a similar situation happen to them. So if you win, you play someone who's won, and if you lose, you play someone who has lost. So as Swiss goes on you and keep winning, you will keep playing opponents that are, in theory, better and better and better. So losing as late as possible in Swiss um, guarantees or is more weighted better weighted better so it's like uh strength of schedule is one way to uh value that or to talk about that value system so uh if you do go four and two and your last two losses were uh rounds five and six then that's much better than being four and two and your first two losses were round one and two so that's how that works Um, So then they go, well, let's talk about day one sealed, and then we'll get into the top 32 and top 16, top eight, et cetera. Oh, sure. Um, I was just going to say, I like this format much better also because it seems kind of much more balanced, right? Like when you're playing sealed, I mean, if you get a a bad pull, it's going to be hard to make it, but... That said, all you have to do is make top 32 in sealed. Yeah. And then the next day being draft and then draft again. I feel like balances everything out kind of to some degree or as much as it can be in limited as opposed to because before it was sealed all the way to top eight and then they drafted in top eight. So if your poll was kind of garbage in sealed at a 200 person event. It's like pretty hard to get top eight. 
Right. right. And I, I feel like this makes it a little bit more fair, right? Like you get an average pole, pilot it well, can make top 32. You're on to draft. Right. Where it's it's maybe a little less luck and a little more, you know, you just have to mm-hmm. pull well. Yeah. And I know some people did not like it because they had not good pulls or whatever. But in Monarch Limited, uh, your skill at the game of Flesh and Blood really matters, you know, like... Uh, you you just it can only be so bad right of a six packs you know? i mean it is if you do have a bad sealed pull and you know you're trying to make top 32 at a 200 person event that's like still really tough yeah but it, it still is limited and you know yeah i just mean it, it's as you know balanced as it could be maybe or seems Right, right, right. Within right. a two-day event. Yeah, definitely. Um, okay, so some of my notes from the sealed stuff. Uh, there were just some like really, really, really good games and some really exciting things that we're going to talk about. So um, if you want to watch those matches before we talk about them, go do it now and then come back. Yeah. I don't. But if you just want our thoughts and recap on that, that's totally fine. And we're back. <laughs> so so right away <laughs> 16 hours later 16, welcome back <laughs> 16 hours later um so the meta kind of breakdown for sealed was 43 percent of players were pr- playing prism and that was the most represented and then 26 percent of players were playing bolton then 18 percent of players were playing chain and then Leviah had 13 percent of the field um which I think just makes sense because if you are one of those people who winds up with kind of like a worse pool pull or pool of cards, um, it can be rather easy to just be like, well, Prism's cards are uh, way above curve, so we're just yeah. going to do that, you know? Definitely. Um, Which if you're playing against just another average pull or what, you know, like not an expert deck, it's just like Prism throws out better attacks. Yeah. yeah, yeah, which um, makes sense for sure. I I did not think that the next most represented was going to be Bolton. I would what I would really have rather seen instead of the percentages is the actual numbers, because is that a difference of like uh, twelve people or four people? You know what I mean? Well, how many people were there? Two hundred and fifty or something. Right. So we could do the math. We could have figured it out before hearing yeah. this. Yeah. Dang. Oh well. Well, we'll I've only it out and go. Oh, okay. Yeah, That's yeah. interesting. I've only read books, not done math. <laughs> and again, I've gone to college. <laughs> uh, so anyway, I I wouldn't have thought that Bolton would have been up there so high. You know. You know what I mean. Yeah. Um. Yeah, because Bolton's kind of tricky if you don't if you don't draw a good combo or whatever. Right. But I would argue that kind of Leviathan maybe has the most moving parts, so being the least pulled, right, or least played makes sense. And then you know, as we found or I found during our last event, um, Chain, you not only need a lot of blood deck cards, but you need like some amount of non-attack actions, right, 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 and. Um, and probably some amount of seeds or like cheaper blood deck car or anyway, just like you have to see that engine to some degree. Um, with Bolton, 
I don't know if this is quite enough, but like take flights are pretty common. Yeah. And if you say if you draw one via the Vanguard. Oh, you it, run Bolton. And then if you get yeah. a gallantry for sure. Yeah. But like via the Vanguard's only a rare, right? Right. So then the deck's probably still pretty hard to play or maybe kind of underwhelming some turns, but you can just kind of block and throw out a light attack for five or whatever, yeah. charge your soul. Yeah. And um you know, again, still not easy to play, but then you can set up your one V turn, which again is just a rare. Yeah. So we, I'm I'm like a little bit unsurprised to see that just compared to like Chain and Leviah. Yeah. And know? and all you need in your V of the Vanguard turn is uh literally two uh light cards, a blue and to be really good, you want a card in Arsenal, right? And you just yeah. need V of the Vanguard. That's it. Which that's all easily done in limited. Yeah. You know? So you and then you play V, pitcher blue, play V, charge the other two cards in your hand, coming at you for five, give it go again, play the card from Arsenal. Hopefully it's free. Uh, give it go again, yeah. hatch it for f- four, go again, hatch it for five. Yeah, I mean, it could be like a frontline scout or something, right? Because it's still... Like, yeah, it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. That would be great because it would come in for five with automatic go again. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah, so... Uh, that's why that card's so powerful because it just pumps everything across the board. Yeah, totally. And then you're just Therefore, like... Therefore, turning on Bolton across the yeah, board. Yeah, 20, 25 damage. What? So, there you go. Hacks. Monarch <laughs> hacks. Pull V of the Vanguard. That's the That's the key there. Uh, okay, so in sealed, there were cu- there were two games that I thought were really notable. At about an hour fifty minutes, you have a uh, shout out to Hayden Dale, fellow podcaster um, at the. Oh yeah, also great podcast. Yeah, totally. Uh, in uh, Ash Singh, I think uh, is Ash's last name. They were playing a Prism Mirror, uh, which. I think typically mirror matches in other games are not as fun, right? Yeah. But in Flesh and Blood, they're really technical and really fun to watch. Yeah. Many times you're you're not really able to handle what your opponent's <clears throat> doing very well, but your opponent's in the same boat. <laughs> right. You know, so yeah. it's like, like a Dorinthia mirror yeah. or a prism mirror. You just like yeah. kind of tilted from the start. Right. Which makes it really, yeah, like really technical, like you said. Yeah, because so in a prism mirror, right, phantasm cards don't pop phantasm cards. Right. So you have that going for you. Um, so then you're like stony wooten hogs are high value in uh, that sort of thing. And then yeah, overpower out muscle. Yeah, any, kinda, any yeah. generic six. Which they included a lot of. Mm-hmm. in this set for that limited reason yeah yeah uh so uh th- things just become pretty tense that way and then any spectral shield you can make is the is like a four go again right with the iris so that becomes really really important because you can't pop it because it doesn't have phantasm right so how that game wound up shaking out is that i thought hayden was going to lose because early game he was giving up a lot of tempo but what he was doing was making sure he was kind of setting up the bottom 
of his deck for later so he could uh, protect his one spectral shield. And, Limited format. Things are valuable. <laughs> yeah, totally. And, and also, like, kind of keep a card in soul so in case if it did get popped, he could play, have another one out there, etc. Um, and he he really took over the rest of that game. And, and Ash had a strategy where he was keeping... Uh, what did I say that card was? Invigorating light. Oh yeah. You know, in hand the red. A, a sixer, a light sixer. Yeah, and so he was keeping that in hand to pop any phantasms. And Hayden uh, recognized that, and just was swinging for four with his spectral shield, and then protecting it on his turn. Um, so it really forced Ash to either take damage. Or spend cards from his hand to stay alive. And it just was really good because it they're both kind of playing this game of chicken where they're like, uh, can you pop my spectral shield? Can I get another, can I figure out how to get another um, herald into my soul so I can just make another one? It was just a really good, tight, uh, close game. Flesh and blood at its real finest there. And Hayden wound up winning because he has a podcast, so it's just like an instant. Yeah, head. his opponent was fucked. yeah. <laughs> From the moment they sat down, um, <clears throat> then uh, another game I thought was really exciting was uh, we had Jed versus Nick at about five hours ten minutes, and it was a prism versus chain situation, and they both had majestic weapons. So the prison player had a Luminaris, and the chain player had a Dread Scythe. Which you're psyched about <laughs> until you come up against another player who's pulled their Majestic. Yeah, weapon. and you're like, oh, crap. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, and plus Nick, who was on chain, he also pulled a Nourishing Emptiness as well, which is pretty insane Whoa. pulls. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So... Uh, that game was just cool to just see a whole different archetype uh, play out because of them having those majestic weapons and that sort of thing. Yeah, and to form your deck around and make those weapons work in limited. Mm-hmm. I guess Dread Scythe is a little easier than Luminaris. I mean, they both but... require kind of a specific number of pitch cards, right? Luminaris, yeah. you need yellows, and Dread Scythe, you need blues. You yeah, know, so totally. Yeah, like an extra blue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pay Re- for your regular turn and then dread side. <laughs> and then dread side. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah. So th- that was like just a really cool game. Uh, do you have any kind of overall thoughts after watching all of the sealed stuff, or any emerging strategies you noticed a lot of players were using, or in the, or anything like that? Um, no, I, I pretty much voiced what I thought at the beginning. Um, just the one, uh, one general observation about sealed and just the weekend mm-hmm. um which like plenty of people have made already this is no kind of insight but um it's just that like <laughs> it's just once again like pile does not work at all right? right it's like all of these characters are fairly explosive so you need to pick your moment and just you know go off better than your opponent mm-hmm. you know as we learned in our lot we uploaded a video of monarch sealed gameplay um, for our last episode where I was like 
I played Chain, mm-hmm. and I was kind of pitching and just building for the end game, kind of. And uh, Taylor drew his Bolton God hand and just killed me, right? And I was like, oh, yeah, maybe, uh, <laughs> you know, we'd been through like half the deck. So, um, you know, watching all of these games across the weekend, it's like very clear um, just how potent these heroes are when they're online. And, yeah. and by comparison, how bad they are when they have an offhand or, you know. Yeah. Hatch yeah. it for two. Or you know whatever. <laughs> yeah. But, <laughs> Pass. Yeah. <laughs> uh definitely. Yeah. I you know, a lot of people were were using uh belittle to really good effect, going to search up that minimism to pay for the rest of their turn, you know. Yeah. Uh or to play. Or to play. Like regardless, it's um, a good fetch. Yeah. In in chain it's really sick because you can start off with belittle pitch a blue uh, or a yellow or whatever, or even a red to set up for later and then go get your blue minnowism to pay for the rest of your turn. It's like really cool. Yeah. You know, or, you know, just... Yeah, or your red minnowism for plus three to bounding demigon or whatever, you know, yeah. whatever yeah. it shakes out to be. Just in limited one for three, go again. Is it three, the red, belittle? Yeah, it's yeah. free. One, no. It oh no, it one. does cost one. Yeah. yeah, one for three. Go again though is like really good, in limited. Yeah. With that card fetch. Yeah. It's crazy. And if you have two minnowisms in your deck, like we say, you can choose: do I need the money or do I need the pump? Yeah, and that's what happened in our last uh, sealed game we played. Is I had a red one and a blue one. Um. Yeah. And they were great. It's like, yeah, it's really powerful. Totally. And that, that shown the second day in draft, especially because in sealed, you're just at the mercy of whatever cards you got. But right. in draft, I mean, it kind of showed that some of the maybe clever players picked those probably earlier and read the field and then specialized. Right. Yeah. And uh, yeah, those cards are bananas. Yeah. They're, they're definitely really good. Really, really good. Um, another great strategy we saw was uh, zealous belting in uh, Leviah and Prism decks. So zealous belting, I believe, gets go again if the card pitched has higher attack power. Yeah. Than if, itself. If there was a card in your pitch zone, right? With yeah. higher attack yep. power. Yeah. So easy to pull off in Leviah and Prism. Uh, and, and it's just really good, right? It's like basically a Dread Screamer, you yeah. know, but does, you don't need cards in your Banish Zone yet. So early, it's super good pressure. You can, you know, Zealous Belting for five and then follow up with a, you know, even just a Meat Axe is really good. You know, it could be for 10 damage or, you know, right. or or something else. You know, you could play anything after that, but... Yeah, and I kind of dismissed that card initially. Because, I mean, the yellow is like two for four, conditional go again. Right. Or the blue is two for three, can get it. But, I mean, like once again, what you realize in limited is just like that auto go again is so powerful. Yeah. Cause and for... if you're playing a blue or a yellow, that card's also functioning as a resource card in your deck. Yep. Or if you have the money for it. Boom, three go again, four go again, whatever is like really good. Yeah, and and uh Brute and Leviah have access to one cost Prism. 
Oh yeah, <laughs> brute and Levi, brute and and Prism, Shadow Brute have access to one cost like attacks. You know, right. so you can, you know, blast them for just with a single blue, which is yeah. pretty sweet. So that was used really well. Out Muscle too was a real, real shiner for a lot of different reasons. Yeah, I think that's a really good card. Yeah, um, I have that card sideboarded. Um. In my brute deck, you know, it's just like mm-hmm. six go again is really good when you're facing an opponent who probably can't match that. Yeah, definitely. And I thought Brandish uh, in Chain specifically was really, really good. Yeah. You know, because you can start off your whole attack with that, then play your your things from the Banish Zone and then follow up with Galaxy Black. Totally. At if the you end get of that it. Galaxy Black up to three and then to four with Brandish or threaten that. Yeah. Um, it's, it's like a whole nother wrench. Yeah. Insane. In the blocking chain, you know, <laughs> clusterfuck of wrenches. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Definitely. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. You want to skip over here to top 32? Yeah. Sure. Okay, sweet. So then if you made top 32 in the calling, you then switched to draft. So then you were broken up into eight-person pods, and you drafted. And then you needed to make it to top 16, and then from top 16, you got to make it to top eight. Oh, so they did three drafts. Yeah. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah, just some things I noticed about that. I mean, we can switch to you for individual matches pretty soon here but um some things i noticed it's just like it was like very clear the players who were the only player in their pod to draft a certain character did really well right and that kind of goes without saying but it just you know there were some instances of pods where like the cards are going around and players are all on somebody and then they see that Bolton's open nobody's picking them three players shift to Bolton and then end up with cracked baubles in their decks right you know and then Matt Rogers comes out with chain the only or you know Kiki comes out with Leviah the only players in their groups to uh have drafted those characters well yeah in the in the top eight yeah Yeah. not not taking taking away from their playing ability but you know um their decks are very powerful because of that yeah, I think that's the biggest takeaway from draft is that the signals you're getting from what's going around the table, like keeping track of how many, you know, because if it's like pack four, it's seen four people, you know what I mean? Or your fourth pick in round one or whatever. Right. So you have a good sense of what has gone already, you know, and what, what's still left, etc. Yeah, and that's something that I, you know, have yet to master and draft for sure. I think it's very difficult. Not reading what hasn't been picked, right? Like if chain is open, that's like pretty easy to recognize. But then knowing whether to switch to chain or not based on the probability that other players are going to switch to chain and reading that I think is very difficult. And like masterful players are, you know, obviously able to do that. Yeah, totally. So... I. I mean, that seemed like the big takeaway. And the real difference between uh, 
a good draft deck and a sealed deck is pretty drastic. You know, yeah. Some of those draft decks you see in the second video on day two are kind of like just blitz constructed decks. Yeah, pretty. They're good. like pretty good. Uh, my only thing, I think, before getting to the top eight, is just that at around the four hour mark on that second video, they have a really good interview with Matt Rogers. He just comes in and kind of talks about the day and drafting and. You know, they just have like a good quick little chat with him. Oh, this is another shout out I have to the Session Blood guys, uh, specifically Kieran. He uh, has kind of a a new vibe, I would say, that's a cross between Lex Luthor and Commissioner Gordon, <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I should have known you would love that. <laughs> So I was like really the, into that, that. Excellent stash going on. Yeah, and his like shiny cue ball head is great. Yeah. I'm loving it. Nice. Taylor's a fellow excellent mustache rocker. Oh, th- hey, thanks. Yeah. That's not what we call ourselves, but that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, I'm an outsider to this club. <laughs> yeah, beardo. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah. So shout that's out. That's not to- what we call ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> so shout out to Karen. <laughs> Oh, great. Um, so, yeah, watch, listen to that interview. Um, and then we'll just quickly talk here, I guess, about the top eight. We've kind of touched on it a lot. But so the meta break. Oh, you have something you want yeah, to say? Like one yeah. other thing that some players, oh, God, I forget what this guy's name is. Um, but some players that played the same character all weekend also performed pretty well. Because you get really good at piloting that deck. Like, there was one guy who played Prism the entire weekend and went really far. Um, you know, and it makes sense, like... Uh, oh, yeah. Aaron, I think it's Aaron. I think. Somebody. Sure. Well, all our listeners anyway, are going yeah. to watch it and they'll see that. They'll know. But, you know, it's it's like by the end of day two, he's just like... Or probably before that also. But he's just a great Prism player, you know? And just banging it out. Decisions are easy. Uh, less fatiguing. You yeah. Know, you're just good with that deck. Mm-hmm. And um, in the same vein, I would like to give props to Matt Rogers for winning the entire event and playing many different characters. Yeah. Right. So that means he, both in sealed and in draft, kind of recognized what the best choice was and chose that character and won with them. Yeah. Across the board. I think he played. Maybe he didn't play Prism, but he played like Leviah, Chain, and Bolton. Yeah, he definitely yeah. did. Which is pretty sick. You're pretty good at the game when uh... <laughs> when you can play all the heroes. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, amazing event. Um, there's a really great game in the top eight with uh, Kiki and Aaron. Uh, oh yeah, and and Kiki has a great play with using Ebonfold. To then make, because Ebonfold costs one, so I, I believe uses it as a way to uh, block like a spectral shield that's gonna break and draw a new card or something. You know, he had Merciful Retribution out, and Kiki just had a great play where they um, shut down what Aaron was trying to do to win the game. Uh, and, it, and it was excellent. It was excellent use of that of that card to block the arcane damage that spell void on that totally. thing like saved saved them. So 
and that was a really really good game but um so let's talk so then the meta let's talk about the meta briefly because we've already touched on it and then we'll talk about the final match between matt rogers and kiki okay um so just the in that final eight top eight pod um there was like a a lot of chopping and changing you know So, so six of the eight people wound up going either bolton or prism Right, and there's just not enough cards in one box to support three heroes of of each like that. Yeah, you, just splitting the light cards and then yeah, the light cards a bunch of ways, and then the class cards class cards a couple ways. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, and then so then that means Matt Rogers and Kiki just basically got their their pick totally. of, of the run, you know, which is a. I mean, in obviously hindsight's twenty twenty, but it's like again, like Leviah, you need so many movement like resources and sixers, and so it's really hard when you've got a couple good generics, and then like it comes around, and you have like you see a red dread screamer. It's like really hard to commit to that because yeah. you don't know what's coming later on. And I mean, honestly, it could be a pretty underwhelming Leviah pull, which could, you know definitely result in a poor deck right whereas you know if you're doing the same thing with prism you can pretty confidently pull prism cards so um even though it's obviously the right choice you just get you know your pick of all the leviathan cards just committing to that early and building that excellent deck is you know still you know i think of a gutsy move or a a yeah confident move they interview kiki and they talk about how they they stayed open for quite a while. Gotcha. And and then that hooves came around kind of late, and so that signal was just you know that they could take Leviah. Nobody was picking it. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I I th- I think they said that they picked like maybe soul reaping early or maybe a bolt. They. Hmm. Th- there was some sort of really good pick first that Kiki did not wind up running, um, but uh, that they stayed open and picked some like pretty good generic sixers. And with those, you can kind of either play defense with them or they kind of help you play as Prism or play as Leviah. So totally like out muscle is always good. Right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you can use it to pop Phantasm. Yeah, you know, yeah. at the very least or whatever. So, <clears throat> so yeah. So then, Kiki, friend of the pod, um, plays Matt Rogers in the championship game, Chain versus Leviah, Shadow Shadow Bros hashtag, or whatever. Um. Shadow Bros, <laughs> Bros, 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 and Light Lads, 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 Lads. <laughs> Okay, so championship game, like we talked about. Uh, your thoughts on it? Uh, what a nail biter! <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, it was it was. Uh, I don't know. I really enjoyed watching this game. So if you don't have the time or whatever, like, and you're not going to watch the whole tournament, go watch this game though. It's really good. Um, Again, both of their decks are obviously very strong because they were the only people 
choosing them um, or picking these characters. And uh, it never felt like one player was in control or dictating the game, right? Or maybe, you know, if you thought... I would disagree with that. Oh, really? Yeah. I I felt like if uh, if you thought somebody had the upper hand then the other player would have a clever play or something to threaten back is more like it. Yeah. All right, go for it. Okay, so for me, and you know, I should maybe actually watch it back, but I did not keep track of what Kiki was pitching, but there was kind of a early to mid part of the game where Kiki was just really in control the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. they were just hammering away at Matt Rogers so much that, you know, he, he kind of was accruing some blood debt cards he could not pay for and was starting to take some blood debt. He had some piercing shadow vices and some um, rip through realities and was having to kind of block with the majority of his cards and then wind up taking a little bit of blood debt. So... There, there became this point in the game where Matt Rogers had ripped quite a few good cards off the uh, top of his deck and had taken some damage to get into this position to be able to play some of them out. But still was not going to have a... So he had like uh, Piercing Shadow Vice, two Rip Through Realities, and maybe uh, a Seeds or something there so six resources worth of attacks that are only conditional upon taking arcane damage for the go again so at most if he has the resources to pay for it you're going to take somewhere between five to eight damage if you block the arcane and so he presented piercing shadow vice with a shackle and a seeds of agony, I believe. And Kiki still had their uh, had all of the momentum. Matt Rogers was looking at taking three more or four more blood debt or something, and was on a lower life total. And so Matt presented that arcane damage from the seeds. And Kiki still has Ebonfold up. And I think the right play is to just pop Ebonfold and block that arcane. So then Shadow Vice only comes in for four. And then the next follow-up is maybe a rip through reality for again four with no go again. So you kind of know where it stops. And I know previously watching Kiki's games that they used Ebonfold to banish a card to not die from blood debt late in the game. And potentially that's what they were thinking about saving it for. But I thought the momentum and how Matt was playing that he just had no hope. But so Kiki takes that one part of arcane damage, has to block piercing. Then the rip through realities come through and he pops his uh aether iron weave and follows up with like another attack with the sword or whatever so it was this just turn that snowballed out of control 
where Kiki was then forced to like take a bunch of damage to satisfy their blood debt when I think they could have just used that piece of equipment and just hammered Matt Rogers into the ground. Right. Which maybe shows, you know, part of the fatigue, right? Yeah. It's like one of the, like in most sports, you don't play the championship game after playing like 10 other games. Right. (laughs) Right, Yeah. Like usually you like come when you're on point and fresh and prepared. Right. It's just that these events that you're like, you've been playing for, you know, whatever, eight hours a day for the past two days. Right. Um, which, you know, uh, we saw a number of like misplays in the games leading up to this, like pretty bad misplays, but again, it's like in their shoes, you know, I don't, I'm sure I would make misplays playing. Yeah. And you know, you're on camera and you know, so I'm not trying to say that Kiki sucks, right? Kiki's a friend of the pod. Oh, totally. The best. It, it was, it's just it was understandable. Yeah, it's just um, understandable to have made it, and there is some logic if you do get out of that turn that having Ebenfold later might be more important. Yeah, they're just low enough that there wasn't much of a later. You know? Yeah, yeah, and uh, and like all of Matt Rogers' cards are out on the table, right? right. Not all of them, yeah. but you can kind of surmise what's coming. Yeah, so. Uh, yeah, I mean, I agree. I think that that was a pretty huge misplay, but it's, you know, again, I that's why I just, maybe it's attributed to fatigue. Yeah, totally. and the the really one just general rule of limited um, for sure is the, the just those cards that swing for a lot really shine, mm-hmm. right? Because you know when you're making your like classic constructed deck, it's like you have this engine and everything has to sync up and all that, but in limited, it's like it's pretty efficient to you know because I I saw those swing with big trees and stuff like that. It's just so efficient to be able to block for six and then play swing with big tree for six or seven with two cards because yeah. then you're stripping two cards from them for one of your cards essentially. Right. And like that's what um, Kiki's Leviah deck did pretty well. Right. Is right. like they're there definitely were cards in there for them to shift and then start banishing cards from their graveyard and stuff. But just in the early game, just block swing with big tree is like, it's really good play in limited. Yeah. You just got to do that three times and that's their health total, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And especially against somebody like chain who may have some block for twos or may need those cards to pay for, yeah. you know, their banished card, et yeah. cetera, et cetera. Um, but, you know, congratulations to Matt Rogers, his first calling win. He definitely deserves it. That guy is very good at this game, obviously. And, you know. Yeah, he's another guy that just proves. Yeah, you know, skill, it's like not, skill matters. <laughs> because sometimes you feel like, oh, it's like I got him lucky or luck or whatever. But it's yeah. like Matt Rogers has won, you know, multiple events. Yeah, first it's calling like win for skill, sure. Which skill is cool. above all. Yeah. Okay. Well, there we go. That's that's our main topic. We uh, now have some signature segments. One quick shout out first. Oh, sick. Um, Those for... go at the top of the show. <laughs> no, well, go I'm ahead. Shouting it out right now. Okay. Do do your thing. Um, so, for all the players that did not make top thirty-two, they had a classic constructed event oh, at the calling. Call. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Which was a a pro quest. 
right event, event, which is pretty cool. Yeah, so you earn a professional tour invite as part of the prize if you win. And um, so Taylor had these stats for me: twenty-four chains and twenty-two prisms were represented in this tournament, with only eight ninjas. However, a player with a Katsu deck won the entire thing. So shout out to you. Yeah, I know. Katsu. Oh, uh, which I'll find. That I mean, person's name. Ninja has always been good or pretty good or really good, right? But um, we have not seen. I mean, I'm not talking about Ira and Blitz. We have not seen uh, a ninja player, you know, win a constructed event in a little while. Yeah. So yeah, it's, probably. it's very cool to see with this new chain prism, Dorinthia, everybody, Bravo meta, that this Katsu deck took it. Yeah. Uh, really interesting. There was 105 players. So... Um... It would have been nice to see some more coverage for that because I think that's the, I don't know, what I'm most interested in. Not just some yeah. coverage, but maybe some deck lists, How what was in the top eight, et cetera, who performed really well with what I would have liked to have known that. Yeah, I'm very interested in yeah. that. I think just because the top 32 players from the sealed event were out of that one that they did not. Right. You know, but... Agreed. I was like interested in the constructed meta. Yeah. But. Cool. Good. Yeah. Good. Good job right. catching that one. On to uh, our signature segments. Cool. So we're gonna start out with what flavor is it? Um, we're gonna skip on pick pass prey because we're gonna turn that into kind of a more spicy segment, um, kind of in the next couple of podcasts. So uh, we're not trying to use it all up right now. So what flavor is it? So how this works, this episode, is I'm going to read flavor text from a Monarch card, and then I'm going to give you, Isaac, three cards, their their title, so what they're called, right? And then you have to tell me what card that flavor text fits on. Is that I'm clear? Ready. Okay. Yeah. Here it is. The flavor text is, and don't peek behind the screen here. So this is what I'm going to read you. <clears throat> I have to lift it up so I can read it into the microphone. Legends grow larger and bolder from one generation to the next. What began as a brave warrior with a spear becomes a deity of virtue, raining down thunder upon tyrants. Prism. So, is that card Glisten, Invigorating Light, or Celestial Cataclysm? Take your time. It's just dead air on the podcast, which is one of the things people look for. Oh, uh, will you read me that quote again? <clears throat> yes, of course I will. Sorry to not give anybody a break. <laughs> <laughs> Legends grow larger and bolder from one generation to the next. What began as a brave warrior with a spear becomes a deity of virtue, raining down thunder upon tyrants. Prism. Is that glisten? Invigorating light or celestial cataclysm? I feel like you're baiting me here, but I have to say cl- celestial cataclysm. It's not though. You're totally correct. Oh, I am. Yeah, I mean it. Totally, it fits it. It it totally does. That's like the thing about this game is that the <laughs> flavor of, text is some too of the good. Some are too. Yeah. Uh, 
you know, actually, when I came up with this, I thought that was the text on Soul Shield, and it is not. Oh. Yeah. I was like, well, he's never going to get this then. <laughs> um, but great job. I thought Glisten was really going to get you when you were thinking about that, like, thunder sword from the sky, you know? Yeah. Well, that, I thought you were baiting me with the obvious one, and I was going to... Ah. I almost... All right. You're like... Good mind games, though. Totally. Yeah. You're very good at this. All right. There we go. That's what flavor no, is. No, I'm it. not. <laughs> Maybe I'm really bad at asking it. Um, next, we have Riddle Me This with right. Isaac. Which is kind of a joint effort. Yeah. Right. We were talking about this earlier. Yep. Um, all right. So our Riddle Me This card is the new light legendary equipment. Do you have this pulled up? Yep. We just read it for the listeners. Yeah, so riddle me this. This episode is Vestige of Soul, light equipment chest. It blocks for one, but it has blade break. So if you block with it, it is destroyed. And it reads... Oh, I thought it, it was battle worn. No, blade no, it's blade break. Oh, dang. And this is a legendary. If a card has been put into your hero's soul this turn, whenever you pitch a light card, instead gain that many resources plus one. Dang. So uh, right away you're like, oh, I can just uh, play, uh, take flight, charge a card, pitch a card, and get an extra resource. Nope. Because Vestas of Soul, or how you have to play, pitch, and then any additional costs. So Vestas of Soul would not be online. So any card you pitch after that would then get the bump. But a more efficient turn would to be just pitch a blue if you had th- things that costed three, right? And in Prism, if your uh, your Phantasm attack gets popped and you need to use Phantasmal Footsteps to get an extra action point, you still haven't put a card into Soul. Right. And so you, Vestige isn't online. Yeah, you haven't used Soul Shield, right? Right, because that's so, a defensive card. I mean, so, th- yeah, it's like you could hit with one of your attacks... And then pitch another card, didn't get an extra resource. But what are you trying to play here? Right? If, I mean, I guess it would come up if you pitch to play an attack for two, it hits, goes into your soul, and then you only have reds left, so need an extra resource. But right. that, like, situation is so <laughs> low. Right. I mean, I like, I like the one, because <laughs> when Taylor presented me with this card earlier i was like oh yeah it works because it makes up for the resource you um burn paying for phantasmal footsteps when they pick or when they break it (laughs) yeah but nope nothing went into your soul then yeah so uh let us know if you have any ideas for it yeah you can't use soul shield because that's on their turn you know yeah i mean it, it would be killer for bolton right but he just doesn't need the money yeah right like you don't want to be pitching two cards no, yeah. I never need to. Yeah. Um, I mean, you could play Soul Food, right? Which is just an action that puts yeah. it into your soul and doesn't cost anything. But why not just pitch a car? You know, I don't, yeah, totally. I don't know. I don't know. It's like one of those things that in theory there are uses, but the rigmarole for it is just like not worth it, right? Like you want efficiency and like flexibility. Yeah. yeah. And it um, has blade break, so. Yeah. But, I mean, once again, they, you know, this is a legendary chess piece. They designed all these cards 
what aren't we seeing here? I don't know. I mean, it it works with Halo of Illumination, right? But that still costs you one. So regardless, you need to pitch two cards to get Vestige of Soul to give you the extra money. Right, and even if it didn't, that'd be like two pieces of your equipment to charge once and get one extra money (laughs) once, right? Like, yeah. Yeah, riddle me this. <laughs> so let us let us know. Uh, you know, email us the Attack Action Podcast. Uh, send us a Facebook message uh, or you know Instagram, etc. Yeah, it's what a great game that there's so many cards we can keep doing this. Segment, <laughs> you know, or we just suck at the game and can't figure out the card. So, <laughs> so we we always have questions. Totally, um, we don't suck. We're average. <laughs> just above average probably <laughs> um, alright on to uh, game from the closet and this episode it's Taylor's suggested game from the closet now again I'm sure everybody's listened to our podcast before but this is not your favorite game the best game in the world this is just a game you love and would like to share with our listeners because we love many board games here at the Attack Action Podcast not just flesh and blood. So uh, we're going to share a game from our closet that we hope you'll love too. Nice. You, you just hit it out of the park. That was excellent. <laughs> um, I, side note, I wish we had been keeping track of every game somewhere in a document. Mm-hmm. I, I really need someone to do that for us. <laughs> uh, so please do that so we don't ever double up. But my game from the closet is Captain Sonar which is a, gosh, how to really explain it? It's a very unique game. It's like Battleship on steroids. So basically what you're doing is you're playing teams of four against each other and your two submarine crews hunting one another. And so everybody on the crew has a different job. So there's like the captain who... uh, Tar says which direction the ship is going. There's the engineer that's responsible for keeping the engines and systems running. There's damage mitigation. Yeah, there's the first mate who's in charge of making sure the different um, weapons and uh, sonar technology is charged up and ready to use. And then the, the craziest job is the radio operator because you sit across from each other with like a uh, a barrier between you and the captain has to call out what direction they're going so they say west north west and the radio operator has like a map and a transparency and just only listens to the opposing captain and tries <laughs> to figure out where on the map they are and then will lean over to their captain and be like oh they're over in this quadrant um it's a very intense game, and it's all played in real time, so you don't take turns. Everybody's just going. It's just madness. It is. And also, <laughs> of note, you may play this game with less than eight people, right. and players double up on jobs, but that's like even harder. It's just better as like yeah. a party game yeah. with like six to eight players, probably. Yeah, definitely. And it can be very frustrating and very intense, and people handle that differently. So you got to kind of have the right eight people. But for the most part, um, it has been really 
a good game. This although, game is awesome. Although for your birthday last month, I brought it because we were going to have like seven or eight people around. We had the wrong people. And they were all just like, oh, Captain Sonar, I don't want to play that. That game is too stressful. <laughs> totally. But you and I love that game. Totally. And it's because we're great teammates. Oh, yeah. You know? Boom, Definitely. fist bump. Yeah, maybe people are tired of you, Maria, and I slaughtering <laughs> everybody. Oh, when, yeah, the three of us are on a team in anything, anything, unbeatable. Totally. Three on three basketball. You gotta get Maria into flesh and blood. <laughs> I know. Team sealed. <laughs> then we would definitely win. Um, all right, that's it. Great pick. That's all we got. That's really... And like Taylor said, this is a very unique game. So it's pretty sweet that like... People can play having never played before. And pick it up and have fun playing this party game setting. But also like kind of tickles your board game itch. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, That's it for today. Thank you everybody for listening. We have been the Attack Action Podcast. (laughs) Taylor and Isaac. Battle Bros. And uh, we are on Facebook at the Attack Action Podcast, Facebook page, whatever, Instagram. Um, We have a Patreon page. So please go and support us if you have the means to. Um, We do put a lot of effort into producing this podcast month after month and doing our homework and everything. Um, The lowest entry tier is only $4. And we have some prizes or incentives uh, cooking up here that we're going to talk about in our next episode. Spicy. They're going to be spicy. They're they are good. <laughs> Spice. Um, so if you're interested in that flavor, <laughs> um, I don't know. I'm not used to doing the outro. Anyway, um, Fab Foundry uh, is our partner. We have an affiliate link in our uh, show notes. You have to use the affiliate link to... Uh, benefit our podcast so please take the extra one second to just click the affiliate link from our show notes to go over to fab foundry and find yourself some singles cards yeah single no, cards. not ladies or dudes in the flesh and blood community yep um is that it that's it what else we got that's all we got all right thanks everybody we'll see you next time see you next time